face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. And we're live. We're live on the air. Welcome to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy. I'm joined today by a new member of the Starfleet Boy crew. It is uh, Starfleet Man, spelled with two N's. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. And you're AKA. <laughs> it's very exciting, yes. Uh, you're AKA Mandroid, right? Yeah, on, on a Twitter. The, 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 the Twitzer. Twat. Please. Tweeter. Please let. We don't have a very big audience, but please go ahead and let our audience know how they can uh, look into your your online presence. Uh, they can go to Mandroid on Twitter. <laughs> That's pretty That's it, much right? the extent of it, yeah, <laughs> at the moment. I love it. Very good, very good. There's not like a Mandroid website or anything like that. No, not unless yet. you want to go to my portfolio site, I'm a graphic designer, but... Uh, it's man. I think that's dot mod sprocket. If you can figure out how to spell that, dot com. M O D S P R O C K E T dot com. Well, that's awesome. Perfect. We just finished a, a, an exciting episode of Drunk Space Nine, and then we were just having such a ball that we thought, why not do the season opener of Star, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation? <laughs> Season three, season three and the yeah. season o- <laughs> and the season opener for Starfleet Boys season three because they 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 somehow correlate which is amazing I I don't know how that happens but it definitely does serendipity so, um, that's how it happens I, exactly exactly so Mike I I think you've seen a few episodes of Starfleet Boy I'm not sure but yes, I would like yeah. to con- yes okay great so I do offer my guests the opportunity to do the episode summary are you feeling the spirit do you feel oh, like man. you can do well i got spirits i got spirits <laughs> yes we have leftover area. spirits um so <laughs> there was okay i'll try i'll try this be funny all right so we got you got dr stubbs that's a great name uh <laughs> who's on the enterprise conducting some experiment with a binary star system and i for the life of me i can't remember what experiment he was conducting but we'll in, talk about that. <laughs> in the midst of it, uh, Wesley was doing a school experiment where he created nanites um, that basically take over the ship, begin evolving in the ship, create their own sort of awareness, and uh, start messing around with the ship systems uh, uh, as they are developing in their juvenile sense. They kind of start messing around, and by the end, uh, they decide to kind of just dump all the nanites on a planet. We don't know why or how or what comes of that, but they just <laughs> just dump them on a planet. And uh, 
that's it. But, but then it's get infected. Well, they don't infect. The data basically it puts them inside <laughs> himself so he can talk to Picard. And uh, yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the whole Dr. Stubbs is just like, just kill him. Because, you know, we didn't learn anything from data being an android that machines have some sort of sentience. That's true. That's good. very good. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. That's, I actually agree a lot with your summary. That was actually a really good summary. I am only going to elect to add one thing, which is we get Dr. Crusher back. That's true, yes. Season, three, <laughs> season two was just really awkward with uh, Polanski, right? That's really, yeah. <laughs> Pulaski, yeah. You, Pulaski. You, you missed out on, on the discussion of Dr. Pulaski, but yeah, you're absolutely, totally, completely right. Uh, Wesley just uh, wreaks havoc on the ship by by being uh, by being too too studious. I think that there's a, there's a couple of lessons in this episode, and I guess we'll get through them. But I guess we can start just from the beginning. Um, after watching season two and season one, I definitely noticed a tone shift in season three. Um, I think that like even the music was a little bit better in the beginning. There was that like weird synth kind of cool music. It was a little bit charming, mm-hmm. and you know the episode I guess kind of starts off with this like really magnis- magnificent um, shot, a special effect shot at that of like this binary star system where one star is absorbing the ste- absorbing the stellar matter of the other star, mm-hmm. and that brings up for me I think that the uh, uh, the remastering was beautifully done as well. I thought the scene looked pretty pretty nice on my uh, screen here. Um, it's a modest screen, but it still looked nice. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, there's some nice uh, like lighting on the Enterprise too. Super yeah, close right in front yeah. of the uh, swirl neutron star sucking in all the uh, stellar juice of the other it's- star. Exactly. I can't remember what the effects were actually like when the episode aired, but I, I was impressed. You. Yeah, I was impressed to see all these like neat things, and I, I, and I can see also the difference. We talked a little bit last season. What the remastering was done by another company, a different company from season one, and now we're back to. I guess they alternated seasons, and you can tell that this company is just. They've got a little bit more love for Star Trek because, I don't know, there's just something about the effects that just, like, read really well, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks great. Um, The weird thing about this episode is Dr. Crusher's weird hairstyle. And I don't think she has in any other episode (laughs) after this. I don't remember, but I I did... Notice that the hairstyle was a little bit weird. It look, it didn't look like. Uh, now I think I saw somewhere that Gates McFadden wears wigs on the show, and I don't know if you know this, uh, Mandroid, but I wear a wig as well. Okay. Uh, it's not. I think I recall <laughs> that from an episode of Drum Space. Now. Yes. <laughs> But um, so I understand, you know, like wig, wigs are kind of interesting. So I, I'm willing to guess and I would love to know. I'll probably well, maybe we can ask her on Twitter because Gates McFadden is on Twitter. But I she might not have been wearing her wig there and that might have been her actual haircut. And so it's a short haircut, which makes sense because she's always wearing wigs. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think I think she uh, from what I know is that like the front was real usually and the rest was a wig. But I'm only is that right? I'm only gathering that from a tweeter. Uh, tweeter, jeez. I mean, my my the, the tweeter is, is a thing anymore. <laughs> Twitter exchange on the Twitter. 
But yeah. My wig's an, is a full full head wig. There's no... Uh, he- oh, that's funny. Head wig. I've got an angry inch. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we went there. Uh, so yeah, I think that like the... I think this was maybe an episode if I had to guess where that was uh, um, Gates McFadden's actual hair. And it looks nice. It's it's a weird cut and a weird like kind of way they shaped it. But her hair, her actual hair itself, if that is it, is actually is very nice. I got kind of like a Miss Frizzle Magic School Bucks feel from it. So that's (laughs) near and dear to my heart. But uh, yeah, this episode was interesting because, like, so when this aired, season three would have been like what, like ninety one, ninety two. Or even earlier than that. Uh, fortunately, on Starfleet Boy, we can actually consult uh, the interwebs Beautiful. about these things. So I'm going to go on and see season three. I'm trying to think. When TNG. did it air? <laughs> 87, 86? So Let's see. Years, you, your guess was 90? 91, right? Yeah. All right. Let's see what's going on here. Season three was 1990. Okay. It I was debuted. close. All right. September 25th. Oh, wait. Original release was September 25th, 89. So okay. it went into wow. 1990. Yeah. So nanotech, yeah. that's, a pretty, that's pretty cool because nanotechnology, like as a, as a literary um, tool, was like big in like the mid-90s to late-90s. So the fact they got into that that early, I feel like it kind of dates itself because you think like nowadays we're already kind of delving into that, like from a medical standpoint, like they're already experimenting with nanites from a medical standpoint but it's kind of cool that they went into that um, area I think it's it kind of stretches um, suspension of disbelief that's Wesley created nanites because like well no he he actually didn't create them it, fascinating thing um, now that I've seen this episode like this is like probably my fourth rewatch the, okay. the episode makes it pretty clear that um, the the nanites had been manufactured for specific reasons. It was for cellular repair. Yeah. So that was, I think, if I remember correctly, like when I first saw this episode as a kid, that was all very new, wild mm-hmm. science fiction. Yeah, like, especially it, for you. It, now, it yeah. was, it, yeah, it was totally new to me. It might have been addressed in some esoteric science fiction novel, but uh, but uh, as far as mainstream uh, science fiction goes, this was like probably one of the first like main. Um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, instances of nanotechnology in the world period, you know, and uh, and now you're right. You're absolutely right. This is something that's real. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily for cellular repair. We haven't made those kinds of strides, but um, technology that is so small that it, you know, as to be a nanotechnology is is something that we're very much uh, you know exploring in our in our current times. So well, what's funny is it's, it's going that way. I remember like like around like two thousand two thousand one, they were like creating nano uh, nanobots. Which it's funny. I hate the term nanobots, and I appreciate they use nanites in this episode because mm-hmm, nanites mm-hmm. sounds much better. But yeah, um, like I remember, like in Popular Science, there was some article like in 2000, 2001 about um, making nanites powered on proteins so they can do cellular repair, and it's like wow. ten years on from this episode. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was kind of uh, 
Vancouver at the time, but I think it's funny that Wesley is just like, yeah, I did reprogram these nanites, and uh, why we're not weaponizing these? Like, they just send it to another <laughs> ship and just mess them because, up. Because before the Calvin timeline, Starfleet was an exploration cert, like kind of branch. Now it's a peacekeeping armada. I don't even know what that means, but that's, you know, according to the Kelvin timeline. But another interesting thing is what they kind of, like, addressed in the episode, or what I gathered from it, rather, was that, like, essentially Wesley allowed the nanites to mate. Mm-hmm. Because he put two nanites together, hoping that they would like kind of innovate or like you know enhance each other's abilities, and that's exactly what happened. And it sounds just like what you know the basic concept of, of uh, mating would be. So in a sense, like Wesley is just like a cupid. He's like brought <laughs> these two nanites together, and and they created this like super interesting. Uh, you know, new life form. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the most basic function of life is to reproduce. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could have seen that coming. You're supposed to be like a. Uh, I like. They call it Wunderkind. I'm like, we're all <laughs> smart, but we call it Wunderkind. It's Wunderkind. If you're pronouncing the German way, it's got the V instead of the W. What? So it's a Wunder. Wunderkind. So Wunderkind. Yeah. Wunderkind. But uh. Yeah, it's interesting that. They would make nanites that wouldn't reproduce. You would think that the, you would want them to self-replicate. That's like the whole point of having a nanite. Yeah, just I for mean, the well, point of nanotechnology, even at the time. But well, you, but look what happens when they do. I mean, like apparently, what the the resource that they required to continue to do this was the crystal you know, uh, matrix of the computer. So I feel like, uh, in a sense, like you know. I like the whole. You remember the Guinan scene with the where she was comparing Wesley to Doctor Frankenstein? Yeah, yeah, that's good. What's that funny made sense. about this yeah. scene is that Guinan. I think it's the only time, is that the only time that Guinan never mentions having children. Oh yeah, no, no, that's at the end of the episode, and she's she has a lot. Apparently, yeah, she's like I have like, <laughs> like a bunch of kids. Like, only one was problematic. Like, it's just kind of throwing a lot, exchange. It never comes up as far as I know. I, I wonder why there aren't more stories about Guinan's children. I would think that like that that's something interesting that I would like to explore is uh, is the um, what are Guinan's children doing? Because she's kind of out of control, crazy, amazing as well, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I. I'm going to stop talking about the episode for a second because there's something that I always forget to do whenever we have a guest on the show is uh, would you mind taking a moment and telling all of us, including myself, um, what your Star Trek story is? Like, how did you come to Star Trek? And, like, what do you love about it, basically? Star Trek story. So this is funny because when I was a kid, my dad dad was into Star Trek. And... Next Generation was always on TV, so it was kind of like my mom would sit down and watch it. My dad would put it on, and it was like, you know, he's on television growing up. But what's funny is that, like, during the 90s, or the late 80s, I was more into Star Wars, but not really so much. Like, I liked, like, military sci-fi, and it wasn't until, like, I got older. Like, I remember, like, what the fondness for the show was from, like, watching it with my dad. And I remember conspiracy, like that was like the most horrific. That like burned horrible <laughs> nightmares in my brain. But um, 
as I got older, like I started appreciating it more from the liter like the literary sense, you know, like just you know. Um, and I think it wasn't until it was on Netflix that I started just watching it over and over. Like I see all these episodes as they aired because my dad watched them, but I didn't really appreciate it until I was like, you know. In my twenties. How how young were you like when the first season of Star Trek uh, Next Generation was on the air? Oh, let's see. Uh, what did it air? A six, a seven, eighty seven, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I was five when it started. Oh, and my wow. dad. Okay. My dad was a big Trekkie before, from the original yeah. series. So, um, and I watched that when I was really little. So by the time it came on, you know, I was. <laughs> My dad was like, hey, let's take a family event of watching Aliens. So I was like five or six. And I had nightmares. So I saw everything. Like, there was no filter. So, um, yeah, so pretty much from the, from the point it started. I, are, are they coming to get you now? What's going on? Yeah, it's, all, it's Khan. <laughs> Khan. Khan is Khan. Khan's always Khan. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so that's my Star Trek story. So I kind of like, you know, and, and through the 90s, like my brother, I had two older brothers. And one was like, you know, Star Trek's so underrated. So every time it was on like a local channel, we'd watch it. Like we had like a TV in our room, so we'd watch it together and stuff like that. So um, it was always a constant in my family. But it wasn't until like it was on Netflix that I just kept like I just chainsawed through it. Um, and so you, so you recently have watched all of Star Trek: The Next Generation, like you'd say. I've seen it all when it aired, but like it wasn't right. until I rewatched it, I like, processed like the actual themes. Of yeah, it. and that's so true. And I feel like I've seen it a couple of times, and I, I think I've, you know, I'm pretty. Whoa, it's really, really intense tonight. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, pretty active. <laughs> so I've seen it a couple, you know, like more than a couple of times. I saw it. Next generation, I saw definitely when it aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little bit older than you, but not much. Um, and then I saw it when the, the DVD release, uh, you know, was happening and mm-hmm. I watched it at that time. <clears throat> and then now I'm watching, so this is like really like my third major, you know, concentrated rewatch. And of course I've seen, you know, you see episodes in syndication, uh, you know, throughout your life. Like if it's on TV, I'll just watch it. And right. so, yeah. you know, and it, and it's usually the most like popular episodes or whatever but but star trek's been you know this rewatch i feel very much like what you said rings true for me as well because i'm seeing things that i never saw before like uh, references to literature and art and you know even even um music that i didn't understand you know when i when i was watching it the other time so i feel like that's what's one of the most wonderful things about any kind of you know, um, book or TV show or series, if you will, is that as when you watch it again or read it again or, you know, explore that world again at different ages, you're always going to glean some new insight from it. And so I am enjoying that a lot. And I think now, uh, watching this episode, uh, in previous watches, like what was really extremely fascinating to me was the nanites but this time i was really focused on dr stubbs because i'm a little older now and i understand kind of what he was going through with this whole like if i don't do it right now it's never gonna happen and for him that's yeah for him that's like a literal thing if he doesn't get this uh you know his egg quote unquote uh released into this um you know stream and and so it can basically it reminds me of these like 
uh, in the movie Twister, the hurricane, uh, the tornado recorder. Like it's a bunch of little uh, sensors that you know will get released into this explosion and and give us all kinds of telemetry. And so for him, it's like, well, if I don't get this done now, like it's never going to happen for me because I won't live for another, you know, 179 some odd years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was meaningful in a different way. And I, ne- I never noted, I never really thought of any thought much of the character of Stubbs before, except that I did think of him as the villain of the episode. But mm-hmm. now watching it this time, I don't really see him as a complete villain. I see him as a sad kind of, you know, maybe uh, deluded kind of man but I don't see him as a villain and that's an interesting kind of difference from when I first watched it what do you think yeah that, yeah and he's kind of a juxtaposition to the whole evolution standpoint because you have the nanites like evolving at an accelerated rate to the point where they're able to communicate and have a society um, and he's just trying to get you know this experiment done before he's dead so it's kind of like this, this mortality yeah. versus immortality kind of subtext but I just think it's funny that he's like, they're just machines, screw them, exterminate them. And, <laughs> and, and Dana's right there, like, what the, f-? you know? So, it's funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, but still, just, just, just the use of nanites in that whole situation was really cool because I think at the time, I remember like there was like an episode of um, when they rebooted... Uh, Outer Limits. It was a really good Nanite episode in that, like, in the mid-90s. Oh. Um, that kind of went that way, but it was, like, some dude, some scientist, like, infected himself with Nanites, and, like, every time he tried to, like, I think he was trying to kill himself or whatever, like, the Nanites would evolve to keep him from, like, killing himself. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of a cool, um, it's a cool subject. I, I have a soft spot for na- nanotechnology and science fiction, but for 89, well, that- they did a really good job. That's just like, uh, do you watch Doctor Who? Classic Doctor Who. So I oh, haven't kept wow, up after. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. I have this. Well, the ninth f- Doctor had the episode with the nanogenes, which is very, sim- very similar. They kept repairing. Uh, th- there are these, like, nanites, basically, that kept repairing people, and it wouldn't allow them to die, but they were, mm-hmm. like, aberrations of humans in a way. But um, another thing that was uh, interesting about this episode was that in season three, this marks our new uniforms. So we are yes. no longer, yeah, no longer doing the collarless, really, <laughs> it was really tight collarless, body. Like, it, it wasn't so much collarless, it was just like, if, if you, you know when you're a kid and you put your legs inside your T-shirt and stretch <laughs> it out to the point where your collar is like out to you like here? <laughs> That's what was the original, <laughs> what they were thinking. Like, we're in the military. This is very... Well, no, and the, I think they were like spacesuits before. They were super tight fitting, and now they're a little looser. I noticed that the uniforms mm-hmm. don't fit as tightly. And I, but I love the um, Prussian collar, the high collar, if you will. Yeah, I think that's a great. You know, that's the that's the next generation uniform that like now I'm thinking of it as like, oh yeah, they they did a. It was noticeable, in other words. Yeah, it, it was, was, it was cool more thing. classy yeah. um, and less pajama like. Less <laughs> that was it was right with like some sort of weird PJs. It's so true. They did with that but weird line. I, no- I noticed that not everyone in the crew got the upgrade because when the when in that initial scene when the you know the uh, 
docking bay doors are opening, the crew members who are in the docking bay have the old uniform on. So that was How kind of How do you pick up on that? That's weird. I just, I noticed it. I don't know. <laughs> it was a budgetary like, thing. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, we got uniforms for you. <laughs> we didn't make it out. <laughs> what what do you think do you think that um that uh Paul Stubbs uh was justified? Do you think hey, if you were him would would you do those things or would you have risked your experiment to allow the this kind of nascent life form to uh safely evolve? I think Stubbs was uh, clouded by just his own hubris of yeah. dedicating his life to that. You know, he had his own set of principles that he wasn't willing to set aside for, obviously, this new life form, which goes against the whole Federation's whole, you know, it, new life and new civilizations. This was obviously a new life, but he was, you know, it's kind of a, that legacy thing. So it's kind of like when you have a, a parent who wants you to kind of follow in their footsteps, like, I'm trying to to do this is my legacy and you're doing something completely contrary to that because society's changed um so it's kind of an analogy to that i think where you know this is a new style of life kind of like a la uh, measure of remand kind of you know but um just that's why i took away from it this guy is kind of just a microcosm for like you know i'm trying to get something done i can't be bothered <laughs> right to to pay attention to what's going on around me. right exactly it's that's a really good point uh your your remarks about par- parenting re- reminded me i thought like something interesting again that i didn't notice or pick up on when i was a younger person watching the episode because i think i like definitely aligned with wesley and i got mm-hmm. those themes like you know like you know studying too hard and like you know, there were nights where I worked late into the evening to make sure I mostly because I waited to get a presentation or, or like a, a project done till the last minute. But I was up late nights, you know, working on things where I would fall asleep and my mom and dad were concerned about me. But I never understood it from their perspective. And like something I noticed in this in this particular watch is like how Dr. Crusher was really concerned that Wesley was way too studious. Like he was like perfect. Like he wasn't Mm -hmm. rebellious. He wasn't, you know, making mistakes. He wasn't doing crazy shit. And she even has that like kind of awesome scene with uh, Captain Picard where they're talking about it. And Captain Picard's like, why are you asking me all these weird <laughs> questions? <laughs> you know, like, about, I'm the captain about, of the ship. You want me to keep yeah. traps and your son? What the... But yeah, yeah, like yeah. he, and and so then she's like, well, but don't you think he should be a little rebellious or like, you know, doing crazy shit at the age of seventeen? And and I think that's an interesting thing because like mm-hmm. all, I look back at, you know, my seventeen-year-old self, and I remember it was the first time I ever skipped school, which was like really crazy and really exciting but i knew it was like a bad thing <laughs> it was like, right yeah but now but now looking back on it i'm like i'm glad i had that experience when i was when i was young because i've understood the consequences of skipping school at a young age when you can make mistakes like that and so it like defined who i became as an adult you know i'm more responsible i think because i was less responsible as a kid so what do you think about that whole thing I think it makes sense. Yeah, like, 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 in essence, Crusher was like, 
is my son a nerd? Like, and that was a valid concern in the late 80s. Wow, that's, cra- that's crazy. I didn't even think of it from that right? perspective. But but you're absolutely right. That's what she's saying. Wow. Because I think of all of them as nerds. So, But you're right. You're absolutely that is, right. That's like, a valid yeah. observation that everyone in Starfleet's yeah. a nerd. Like, that's like wow. in. And that's kind of funny no, to think about, right, too. Like, but this you're is right. the future even of among, nerds. But even among nerds, like, there could be a nerdier nerd. Yeah, like, be, this guy is just... I know we're all nerds, right? But this. <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, but this guy's. Like, e- this is it. like the Neo of nerds. The Wesley's the, <laughs> yeah. the Neo of nerds. He's Bending like a backwards and reading Tolstoy at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, what's funny is, he, like, at the end of the episode, I think, was it like, um, she's talking to Guinan. About like the chick he's hanging out with in like ten four, and she's like that that woman that that girl's like a- attractive. What do you know about her? Like that was a good like you know. Yeah, that classic. was a wonderful. I thought that was a cl- a very good ending to the episode. I think as a young person or as a kid, I didn't. I was not overwhelmingly excited about this season opener. Because, like, there were no space battles and, like, yeah. the danger danger was pretty mild. But I have to say, as an adult, I really appreciated this episode. Like, I just thought, like, wow, it's actually a solid, like, good episode. And, and, and those are the kinds of things that, like, kind of now I appreciate that I didn't appreciate. Yeah, it was more um, cerebral, like, for a season um, opener. Like, for yeah, a premiere season, yeah. that's kind of a, a gamble for them. But, I mean, a third... By third season, they're starting to hit their stride. Um, but what's cool is, well, actually, what a good point for the parenting standpoint is that, you know, they're obviously making a parallel to Wesley basically made himself a parent. Like yeah. He created well, those nanites, and by the end, right. you know, Crusher voicing the opinion of, of, of what's going on with Wesley was a parallel to the growing up of his experiment. Um, so that was a nice little bookend. That's true. Uh, a mentor of mine has said to me, you know, you, you learn way more from your failures than you do from your successes. And I, I find that to be a very valid thing. And, like, it's funny because in that other scene the, that you referenced earlier where Wesley's looking for nanites and Ten Forward and he's talking to uh, Guinan and, you know, the whole Victor Frankenstein thing comes up. She asks him, what grade do you expect to get? And he says, he's just kind of like, he sounds bummed about it, but he's like, I always get an A. Yeah. <laughs> so he has no idea what it's like to lose at this point in his life. And I think that's like an, an interesting thing. It's like, I, I don't remember at what age that happens, but it happens to all of us. Like to me, for me, I feel like it definitely happened around high school, like ninth grade. I, I think I was a very good student up until like the ninth or 10th grade where I was now all of a sudden faced with lots of other people who are just as smart or studious or even more smart, you know, Mm -hmm. smarter and more studious than myself. And it was just like nerve wracking. And I think I had my first like B or something. I remember crying hysterically. And then I remember when I cried on my first C as well, I got a C (laughs) one time in math and I was just like, Horrified and crying and crying. Oh, it's like God terrible. bless you. Yeah, yeah. Thank I you, was, thank you. <laughs> I was, like, I was an overachiever. My brother, my oldest brother, was an overachiever. I in school, like, I was like the kid who got everything, and I would raise my hand and I would explain everything, and everyone would be like, "What the hell? 
you know, I was like a smart kid, but I would not do my work. So I always get like crappy grades. It's like I, I was like under, underachieving because I just felt like it was like beneath me. So it's funny. So I kind of, I kind of um, identify with Wesley from the perspective of like I always get an A. Like, like why bother? You know? Right. Right. Um, so that's interesting. But uh, yeah, like <laughs> it's funny. I just. That whole scene with him crawling through Ten Ford. One, he entered Ten Ford and didn't know Guinan was there, and he's like laying like <laughs> like I don't know tuna cans on the floor. Like I don't know what he was trying to do like like laying traps. Like <laughs> what are you what are you doing in my bar? Laying traps. <laughs> I like how Guinan is like hype like such a mystery still like. Does she ever sleep? Like, you know, what's her deal? Like, there's all these, like, things that they drop about her. Of course, we're headed for, like, really interesting episodes with Guy and I. I think mm-hmm. it's this season's closer, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, man, I don't but I don't, I can't remember. But, like, the crazy San Francisco episode, you know, like, the with Mark Twain and everything is coming oh, soon. Oh, man, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be insane. Is that when they find, like, like Data's head in, like, some subterranean cave. That's, yeah, that's totally the episode. Yeah. Exactly. So we're headed for that. If I'm not mistaken, that might be the season's closer. Or this might be the... Time's the Arrow. Key. Is that the episode? Yeah, Time's Arrow. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. two-parter, so it's like the end of... Yeah, and it goes into like the first episode now of season I have, four. Now I have like to that. totally look it, <laughs> look it up. Because <laughs> this actually... Actually, season three might be the Locutus episode. I am Locutus of Borg. I don't know why I'm Sean Connery. <laughs> it's a shame what why if I've been Sean, enumerated. It, it'd be amazing if uh, Sean Connery had actually somehow been vetted for vetted and accepted the role of Jean-Luc Picard. I, I would love to hear what your some of it, like some of Picard's famous lines in a Sean Connery voice because you do a really great Sean Connery impression. I don't know. They would be mostly the same because, like, I, I default to Sean Connery. I try to do a Patrick Stewart impression. It just evolves to the song. It just, just goes straight to Sean Connery. So <laughs> well, Patrick like, Stewart is definitely one. very... And then <laughs> number one. It's, it's very sm- <laughs> small margin of difference between those two. Shut that damn noise off. I just do an angry-sounding <laughs> sa- yeah, sounding accent. and then Shut like, up, thing, Wesley. <laughs> Close your mouth. I am the last captain. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, um, uh, so I just did a little sneak peek there, a little research, and um, it looks like Best of Both Worlds is the season closer. So oh, okay. we're in for quite a doozy at the end of this season. So, oh, man. Yeah. So Time Zero was at four to five then? I think it might be it, or it might be the opener. Who knows? I can't remember. Well, I, can't I, I guess now I have to look. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're already there. You might as well. Yeah, we may as well follow see. that rabbit yeah. hole. <laughs> Let's see what the interwebs has to say about it. And the interwebs. Uh, it might be a mid-season thingamajiggy. I'm not sure. I don't even know if it was a season closer. Yeah, it's de- oh, you know what. I, I feel like Times Arrow goes from one se- like ends season one season and starts another season. Like they had a cliffhanger. Let's find out here. 
Well, it's definitely not season three. Let's just do... I love that we have an actual computer that works very similarly what? to... <laughs> we have the internet, which is like the ship's computer. That's true. You say, okay, Google, and then it just listens to you. <laughs> okay, or Siri in my case. Yes. Oh, yeah. Apple fan here. So Time's Arrow doesn't come till season five. So Holy it's actually moly. quite a ways away, yeah. So is Did, so it doesn't it doesn't bookend one season to the other. It's just it does. Season, it's season five and season six. So oh, it's okay. The closer so of the I don't opener, even know. So, so what the hell? Is season yeah, four. <laughs> I know. It just gets to show how long it's been since we've watched oh both goodness. of us. What's funny is I watch watched them TNG. like well, I watch them like leapfrog, whereas DS Nine I'll watch like chronologically. <laughs> but because all the episodes are self-contained and. In Next Generation, it's easy just to pick one. That's good. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. I yeah, think I've DS9... watched, like, um, Measure of a Man, like, more than any other episode, because it's my favorite episode Such a good, Such a good episode. Um, yeah, I, you know, I definitely see what Scott has, Scott often, Goldie Scott often um, points that out, how Star Trek Penetration is very self-contained, yet DS9 does have a lot more of, like, a overarching arch. <laughs> yeah, I think as far as television is concerned, DS9 is one of the first series. I don't know, I can't tell you when it started, but one of the first series that like had long arcs. So it's not like it's not, you know, a multi-part episode, but they have a story that will span it'll come back, you know. Right. Um and I, th- I think that was groundbreaking for that show and a lot of shows followed that formula after. And also it was darker so that, you know, in the mid to late 90s, that was in vogue. Awesome. It was totally awesome, yeah. Yeah. I, but I have to say, watching just the first two seasons, um, I, I have to say that I do sense, and maybe this is just because I know these characters and, like, you know, I know what to expect, mm-hmm. but n- not necessarily a storyline per se, but definitely a character arc does occur. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, you, know, you know, and I think that, like, you definitely see the evolution of these characters, and there's, like, a consistent kind of like a thread going all the way through, which is pretty exciting. Yep. Uh, that thread is how much Troy is wearing and how much uh, <laughs> of, a, of a uniform she's wearing at that point. I, I mean, I just, I, I can't, I just remember like uh, the first season where Short skirt? I can't remember. Then she had that weird, like, blue she thing. She had the weird, yeah. And the and blue then, tights. And now she's actually wearing a uniform. Um, she, it's, But it's still, like, a jumpsuit, spacesuit type thing. And yeah. I guess, I guess it's sexy. And I think that Troy is definitely supposed to, like, exude some kind of sensuality, if you will. And she's very comfortable with that. Um, I thought that Stubbs was a complete jerk to her. Like, she really tried to help him. Oh, yeah. In this episode, he was a complete, complete, total, total jerk. Oh, he was, like, just narcissistic. Like, that was, he was all about his agenda and what he wanted to accomplish. He was very close-minded. Yeah, Um, there was the one one scene where he's like, uh, I'll let you know what my feelings are. Please, like, evacuate yourself from my mind or whatever. And then in the other scene where she's, like, trying to, like, talk to him, and he's like, maybe underneath all of this, there's just nothing there. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, you're aware that she's a betazoid, so she's empathic, so she right, knows you're BSing. But what's funny is, like, at the same time, in a, 
not a problem I have with Troy, but like she's always on, where it's, it's I, I question the ethics of. But you can't, that. you can't help. That's it's like an innate ability. It's like it's like seeing or hearing for us. I know, like, but even like know. these characters aren't part of Starfleet. Like she's a Starfleet counselor, but like you and I would go and pay money to go see a counselor, and she's kind of like oh, right, so right, right. blah blah blah. But that's kind of neither here nor there. But it's just it's just, it's just kind of funny. I I, just, like, I think there's. Here. You know, I think there's examples of, I think empathy is something that humans do possess. You know, like we definitely uh, possess the ability, I think, to put ourselves into another person's shoes. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's something that's interesting because obviously we don't have, she, she is not like a typical Betazoid because she doesn't have, uh, Betazoids, true Betazoids are, are telepathic. Mm-hmm. And and she only has empathy. She can only tell what your feelings are. She can't really read your thoughts. Like Loxana, yeah, Loxana yeah, Troy. She's just like, she's like, yeah. Oh, these people are planning to bomb the conference because she actually heard their thoughts in her. She could yeah. hear them, you know. And yet, Loxana and 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 Deanna can communicate telepathically. Then correct. And and uh, and Deanna taught Riker that technique as well so communicating well, telepathically Dreiker already knows well yeah but like that's women. something that there's <laughs> something to that like humans might have abilities that we don't even un- realize that could be opened up because if Riker could be taught he's just a regular human and he was taught how to communicate telepathically with Troy so I mean you know there, there's something there uh, an interesting kind of like you know uh I guess like uh, assertion that Gene Roddenberry or the writers are trying to make about humans that maybe we're in possession of abilities that we don't even realize that we have because we just don't believe we have them, you know. And so that that yeah. might be part of it. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know. Maybe or maybe just Riker was just she taught like think this loud and I can hear you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's always yelling his thoughts out. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, How are you there was doing? A, there I'm was good. a weird mo- There was a <laughs> There was a really weird moment in this episode. First of all, Riker wakes Wesley up because Wesley was over experimenting or whatever and over um, Yeah. I, yeah, cut I down, know. cut down, cut back. <laughs> cut back. Too much experimentation. <laughs> but Riker wakes him up, and then when he comes on the set, did you notice he did this like pointing thing where he follows Wesley to his station? And, yeah, what's and up with that? I don't even understand what that was. It was really, Go there, really weird. There, keep going. Good, stay. I, Damn it, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Riker and Picard were foreshadowing, and I'm going to get a little political here, but I feel like they were foreshadowing Obama and Biden. I think it's the same relationship. (laughs) Like, I feel like... So, so, so Wesley is the Biden to... I don't know. No, no, no. Riker's Biden to Picard's Obama. I feel like that's... That's like, you know, Riker's just kind of random and all over the place. 
and you know from the Alaskan territories and he's just like this like salt of the earth kind of guy and Picard's just like more sophisticated like you know like, that is valid like, <laughs> you know Picard's like Riker listen you gotta stop playing all those cards you, you gotta take this seriously <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just see it. I I don't know why I see it, but I see it. <laughs> um, I like the. <laughs> I like when the computer played Stars and Stripes Forever. I haven't heard John Philip Sousa in a long time. And I I think it's like it was, nice it. Little, it was so loud. <laughs> it was so loud. <laughs> it's a great Stars and Stripes Forever. Of course, we all love. Um, there was also a reference to. Gulliver's Travels in this yeah. episode when when Captain Picard references the Lilliputians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like when they go that far to make the... Well, I'm so literary. <laughs> I can remember the name off the top of my head. Riker, these nanites, they remind me of Lilliputians. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, why am I suddenly Scottish? This is strange. Scottish born French. <laughs> we can't do a Patrick Stewart. Uh, Mr. Stewart, we apologize. We can't do a very good impression because you're one of a kind. So we are defaulting to our Sean Connery esque impersonation. If I had less uh, <laughs> drunk Space Nine in me, maybe. But oh, cool. We'll have to I try it sometime. I can't make the <laughs> distinction. I don't know what it is. It's something very. Uh, <laughs> so. Overall, as a season opener, if you take into consideration season one, which was the episode with the uh, Farpoint Station, uh, or that's just the series opener, as a matter of fact, which is pretty awesome. Then season two, you have uh, Counselor Troy uh, gives birth to that kind of space child. Remember, if you remember, that was the opener. Yeah, that was so freaking awkward. (laughs) It's really, really weird. <laughs> so, as far as season openers are concerned, how would you, what would you, how would you rate, or what would you think of season three's opener? All right, just two ways to look at this. So, from like a network standpoint, I'd say it was weak because it wasn't very action oriented. But from a science fiction standpoint, um, for 1989 and, and delving into this nanotechnology, which is kind of like a new thing. Um, and doing it some kind of justice because it's still pretty prescient. Um, I think it was pretty good. They did a pretty good job. So I would rate it if I had to pick a scale between one and ten. I see. I see it was an eight because I think um, oh, as wow, far nice. as forward looking, just from thematically for that time frame. Um, like if I, someone told me it's like oh it's a nanotech episode, I'd be like oh it must be like ninety four. Like that to me just from someone who ingested science fiction it just it just was a it it was like a really predictive kind of like important yeah i agree yeah i think it was forward looking as far as just technology because i think at some point wesley's mentions like they have like gigabytes of memory right oh yeah and that's like yeah that's right that's i mean we were nowadays still still, for each and i had gigabytes of memory it's kind of forward looking i would (laughs) it's like what it's true, and at that time we were still we were still dealing in megabytes. Like I had a computer with with a with like a five hundred megabyte hard drive at the time. So. At, in eighty nine, that would oh, cost yeah. you oh, like no. 
No, you're right. No, man. Oh, sorry, you're right. It was in the nine. <laughs> it, it was in the nineties. We're I still had dealing with like, 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 you're right. Like kilobytes. Four, four megs was like huge at that time. Like that's like, true. You're absolutely right. But this eight. was 1990. This was 1990. But even still, it was a lot of storage space to conceive or think about it. Yeah, time. it's like it's like us nowadays saying like. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, terabytes is ridiculous to say now. Like ten years ago, terabytes seemed like huge. So we're we are we're in the time of petaflops though. I mean, like there there <laughs> are data centers that are that are dealing with petaflops. So yeah, it sounds awful. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who came up with that, but but it's real. <laughs> so I I hear you on that one. So so what I last season at the end of the season. I was trying to take Starfleet Boy in a new direction, and in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in an homage to Siskel and Ebert, I thought we're only going to give episodes thumbs ups okay. or thumbs down. No, 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 but but the constituent members, the, like the core members of Starfleet Boy, all hated this. So I like that we're going <laughs> back to we're I like that we're going back to ratings. But so just remind me, are you settling on an eight or a nine? Where or are you seven or an eight? Where are you at? Oh, What's going to be your right. final? So final I think score? I made the distinction where I was saying from a like a network standpoint, if I was a network executive, no, but I you, wouldn't be very pleased. Star, but me, Starfleet man, you, <laughs> what do you get? I we want to know Starfleet man's. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, and I have a soft spot for nanotech and science fiction, and for eighty nine, I give it an eight. Nice. This is this is Nate and Starfleet I'm going to say that I completely agree with you. Uh, as far as season openers are concerned, it's not the most action-packed season opener, mm-hmm. but it's a very cerebral season opener, yeah. and I'm going to go ahead and give this a solid uh, eight stars as well. So uh, very good. Uh, exciting. Let's see what the rest of season three is, <clears throat> is all about. Mike, man, mandroid, Starfleet man, <laughs> all your aliases. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's very uh, honored to be on the show. Uh, this is like a marathon session. We went from, <laughs> from, one, from one show to the other, so this, is, this now, has been fun. The weird thing is that I have a few episodes in the bank, so this episode won't actually air for a few weeks from now. So DS, Drunk Space Nine gets published Right away, Starfleet boy, you're gonna you're gonna okay. have to wait. So you know episodes. me from Drunk Space Nine. So by this time, I'll be an internet <laughs> sensation, and I won't need any introduction. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, live long and prosper, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>